The Afterword is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash afterword. That's W-O-R-D. Hello, I'm June Thomas, welcoming you to The Afterword, a Slate podcast in which I talk with the authors of new nonfiction books. But for the last podcast of the year, we're doing something a little different. Rather than talking with an author, I'm talking one of the people who makes it possible for us to get our hands on those books, a bookseller. My guest today is Fred Bass of New York's famous Strand Bookstore. His father founded the business and he's been working there for more than 50 years. More than 60 years. More than 60 years. Thank you so much for coming into the Slate studio today. No, thank you for having me. Not at all. As you said, more than 60 years. Tell me about your involvement with the store. It was founded by your father, Ben, I believe. Um, but you've worked there, as you said, for well, more than 60 years. Well, my dad started the store in 1927. It was a small store on 4th Avenue. At that time, there were 48 bookstores there, yeah. mostly used bookstores and most of them small. About 56 years ago, we had... We lost our lease and moved over to Broadway, mm-hmm. and we only took the front part of the main store there. So the store that you're in now is the store that you moved into then? Then, yes, ah. but we only had the front the front couple of thousand square feet, and over the years, I gradually kept stealing space from my <laughs> landlord until he finally gave in and just sold me the building. Ah. <laughs> we used to occupy five floors in the building. Now we only probably four, three and a half, which are retail space. Uh-huh. And we moved the where- one of the floors to a, where- a warehouse in Brooklyn, and we have a second warehouse there because we outgrew the, wow. the first. So you keep growing in this business. I think the books are breeding. If you want. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that in my apartment for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a sense of how many books you have in your inventory? Well, we go- boast about two and a half million books, but... Uh, uh, I've never taken the time to count them, so, and I'm not going to. Yeah, don't start now. Uh, if I do, the IRS will step in and start saying they've got to be worth something. Not until you sell them, right? That's right. So how is business between the Internet and the chain stores and e-books? It feels like independent bookstores like The Strand have been under a lot of pressure over the last several years. Well, it is challenging. I'd say the e-books have helped us. Mm. I think they've helped us in a little way because I think they're stimulating people reading more. Mm. And uh, in that way, they've helped us. Of course, they've hurt us, too, because they've stopped buying hardcovers, but then they go on to read other things that they can't get on e-books. Right. They can't get everything on e-books, which is surprising. I mean, how, many, how much material is not available? Right. So we keep getting customers in who keep wanting the books. And uh, we actually have a section selling real books for less than e-book prices, so, right. which is done very, very well. The Internet has helped us. We sell tons of books through the Internet. Right. And uh, it has made us control our prices, which is good. I mean, so In the sense that it's always possible to see what other sellers are. That's right. Have, yeah, have we we can see what the pri- books are priced and everything else. It, it's helped us with our buying, and uh, uh, we're very happy with it. 
We're doing very well now. We've worked very hard to do it. We've made a lot of changes and streamlined the operation, try to make the store more customer-friendly, and we've even put candy up front. <laughs> yes, I, I was just telling, I was telling Fred that the other day I, I went into the strand and for the first time ever I only brought candy. But okay. I, was, I just needed some dessert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, books are often cheaper at Amazon, for example, or, or at other online venues. Is there another reason, in your opinion, that book lovers sh- should continue to patronize independent stores? It's awfully hard to decide whether to read a book just from a description. You really want to see the book and feel it and open it up and sometimes read a couple of paragraphs on it to see if it catches you, if the style is right and things like that. And you do have to go into independent bookstores to do it. I mean, it's just uh, it's the only way. You can blindly order books and on the Internet and fine. They're helping to sell books. <laughs> I love it when Amazon and Barnes & Noble sells a book because somebody's got to sell the book first before Strand gets their hand on it. And we're essentially secondhand, although we're bargain books, and we do sell a lot of new books at discount, too, because that's yeah. what our customers are asking for. Right. So we want to have the book in stock, so we do order a lot of stuff that's popular and yeah, you sure in do. demand. But we keep more to the intellectual stuff and to the good, nice classy art books. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No, the, the wandering through the art section is a, a great pleasure. Um, and the new books, generally, it's about a 20% discount? No, it? it's a 10% oh, discount. 10%. We tried 25 and we just couldn't cut it. The cost of handling the books and everything right. else didn't, uh, so we, we had to cut it back to 10%. You guys always know what can work and what can't work. You have, a, you have such a big sample all the time. Well, part of it is that we get the reviewers' copies in, right. which is our really test base for everything, and we get the reviewers' copies sometimes six or eight weeks before publication. Right. Uh, so that gives us a, a test of what they are, and we can actually see the books with the reviewers' copies. Mm-hmm. And I've got a great staff. They yeah. really have a good feel for what's in demand, and they keep up with current events and it's 240 people working in the store, It's um, and they're good. Yeah. They're good. I'm very blessed with that. One of the unusual things about the Strand employees, as you say, yeah. nearly 250 of them, yeah. is that it's a union shop. Yes, um, we are unionized. We were unionized, I think, 30, 36 years ago or 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and has, does that have any particular effect on, on the store and, and how, whether people stay working at the store? Yes, we have a lot of long-term employees that have stayed there because of that. Uh, it, the store has made the store more stable, mm-hmm. that's for sure. And uh, there's a, a better direction in the store. It's actually taught our managers how to handle the employees and what they have to do. Yeah. And uh, there's no nonsense about it. Mm-hmm. Same token, employees working for us can't really get away with anything because there are rules that uh, they have to follow. Before I was unionized, I was very loose and people got away with murder with me. Now we, we have to be a little stricter and uh, it's, it's working and the employees like it that way too. Yeah. At least they know where they stand. Exactly. Clarity is a very yes. soothing thing yeah. in, in yeah. everything. And you also mentioned the review copies. Just in case people have never been to the Strand, in the basement there are thousands of books that I guess you you pick up from magazines such as Slate, actually, and it's kind of part of the New York publishing ecosystem. Publishers 
send review copies to magazines, many more than they can ever deal with. The Strand picks them up and sells them for half price in the basement. That's right. And that's a unique thing to New York, pretty much. We've been doing that for many, many years. We actually get them throughout the country. Oh. So it's not only New York. We have books shipped in from all over. I mean, even the West Coast, which surprises me with the... uh, uh, many reviewers get a lot more books than they can handle, and they just don't have an outlet for them. Yep. And we buy them up, and we recirculate them. And it's the price the publishers pay for getting free publicity. Exactly, so, uh, exactly. And, you know, one of my reviewers was telling me they got 50 or 60 books a week and picked out 8 or 10 they would look at mm-hmm. and review maybe 2 or 3 of them. Right. And then the rest came to me. and. It's certainly better than them going to waste. That's right. And uh, we are we don't throw them out. And, yeah. And actually, we deal mostly with the secondhand market. Yeah. And many of the customers who buy those review copies would not ordinarily go out and pay full price for a book. Right. They'll wait till they get a bargain on it. So uh, we don't hurt the publishers too much. So No. The Strand, as you said earlier, began as a used bookstore, but now it has both new and used. That's true of uh, a lot of or some at least, of the great independent bookstores. Powell's in Portland, Oregon uh, used to be true of um, Black Oak Books in Berkeley, I think still is. Obviously, that requires a certain expertise. Um, Buying and selling used books is its own thing. It would be tough for other stores to to sort of start doing that, right? You really have to have a background and a feel for the books. Most of the buyers I have at the store have been doing it for 20, 30 years. And uh, they just know by touch and feel, this is a book we can sell, this is a book we can't sell, we know the subjects. And uh, then we, because of the computers, we can check our inventory rather right. quickly and see what's selling and what's not selling. So, so a combination of those things right. work out very well. One of the things uh, about books that makes them unusual in the world of retail is that almost all of them have the retail price printed on them. Is that something that you have been aware of in the book trade, that, you know, this is this weird aspect of our business, that the the price is is right there and and it kind of limits your flexibility? Uh, Well, for many, many years, books were fair traded. And what you does had that a, mean? You had, a, you had to sell them at the published price. Uh, you couldn't make any discount. No, it couldn't. In England, especially, right, in right. England had yep. this law that uh, you must sell the book at the listed right. price, and it was protected. That's all changed now. Right. And it changed in America way, way back. You know, you you can discount and sell it for any price you want. Right. So if you put a published price on there, at least you have a a basis for what you're doing. And that now it appears practically on. 99% of the books that are published. There are still a few publishers that hold out and don't do it. It's usually the academic presses. Uh, academic presses don't do it because they raise their prices every couple of years. Right. That's, uh, uh, they can do that to stay in business and they, right. they, they get away with it. And some of the very fancy publications and limited editions and right. things like that. I want to let you know that this month, The Afterword is sponsored by Audible.com. They're offering a free audiobook to any U.S. listener who signs up for a new 30-day free trial. Audible has more than 100,000 audiobooks available for download, as well as audio versions of newspapers and magazines. Membership also includes free access to the daily audio digest versions of The New York Times, 
or the Wall Street Journal. This week, I'd like to recommend a book that I read after learning about it in Slate's roundup of Staffer's favourite books of 2012, People Who Eat Darkness, the true story of a young woman who vanished from the streets of Tokyo and the evil that swallowed her up by Richard Lloyd Perry. It's a true crime book about a crime that occurred to a young English woman living in Japan, but it also deals with the victim and her family, the investigation, the prosecution, the criminal, and the process of covering it. It's an amazing book, and it's available unabridged on Audible. To get your 30-day free trial, which will allow you to download People Who Eat Darkness or one of the other books available on Audible, go to audiblepodcast.com slash afterword. If you use that URL, the afterword will get credit. Audiblepodcast.com slash afterword. I'm talking with Fred Bass of New York's famous Strand Bookstore. I know from my own time working in bookstores that sidelines, um, which are often more profitable than books, and a potential draw if your store has a particular speciality, can be very helpful to the bottom line. At the Strand, you have a lot of New York items, stationery and Strand gear, bags and other items with the Strand logo on them. How do you feel about those items? I mean, they are a huge amount of free advertising all over the world. Those strand bags are seen. Well, I think they're great. I mean, right now they're reaching 15 or 17 percent of our sales. Really? And uh, the great thing about it is because of the way we configure it, I think they're only taking up 1 or 2 percent of the space in the store. Wow. Especially the big sellers with us are the strand tote bags. Yeah. We have designer tote bags. We have strand ones, New York ones. We've partnered with New Yorker magazine and other companies to do it. And we've got a number of artists who have done, Hockney did it, and right. Spiegelman did one, did one, and Marie Spend, Sendak originally did one. And, oh. uh, and those always sell very well. And uh, and the tourists just love them. I yeah. mean, they, they just eat them up. I mean, uh, there's been times where a Japanese tour bus has stopped at a store. We sold two or 300 bags to these people. And it just, <laughs> That's awesome. I got a call one Sunday morning from one of my managers saying, can they get into the warehouse? Because we generally don't keep it open. She says, somebody just wiped out our <laughs> wow, our bags. It's also, I always, <laughs> if, I'm meeting, if I'm with someone in the store and we're going to separate and shop, we always meet at the oh, Strand sure. Bags and we usually end up purchasing something yeah. from that table. The Strand also has events, authors reading from their new books, being interviewed by a journalist or another author. These days, most of those events aren't free. Generally, there's a $10 charge or buy the book. Is that a relatively new development? It's something we started, I think, uh, less than a year ago, maybe a year ago. And the reason for that was there were an awful lot of uh, freeloaders. We'd come into the store, just go to the event, wouldn't even look around. Yeah. Uh, we're totally disinterested. And so what we've done is we're not really charging. Yeah. We're saying you have to either buy the book or buy a gift certificate. It's only $10, mm -hmm. and if you were a book buyer, you, you can spend the $10 any time you want with us. Right. And so it's really free if yep. you're a book yep. buyer. Yep. Yep. If you're not a book buyer, well, there are other events you can go to, go to but we don't want you crowding out of the serious people that, right. that come to us. Yeah, because so, space is limited. There's yeah. a, there are costs associated. And it's an expensive thing to do. We don't make a lot of money on those events. Mm -hmm. Even when they, we have a hot author and we sell a, you know, 150 copies of his book, it's still expensive to have. We've got to keep extra staff going Absolutely. and things like that. Yep. They're fun to have mm -hmm. and they're interesting. And most of the events are 
They're pretty, they're pretty exciting. Yeah. We're very happy with the events. Now, we used to do it in our art department on the second floor, and we found that became too disruptive, so we cut out a big section in our rare book department, which is cozier and it's nicer. And, uh, and I have uh, to say, too, that as much as I love books, I think that, oh, I'm not a rare book person. I couldn't afford those mm-hmm. books. And so I tend not to go to that floor. But having gone for events, I also check out those books, and it kind of demystifies them. They're yeah. just nice books that you might well, enjoy the, having. The prices in that, that room, they run from $15 to $45,000. So uh, there's something for everybody there. Right. And a lot of the books that are collectible, you can buy for 20 or $30, and maybe someday they'll be worth a lot more, maybe not. Many of them are signed copies or limited copies. So somebody can find something for everybody up there. We have a lot of fine bindings up there for $40, and, you know, which make excellent gifts. I mean, just lovely gifts. You need to remind us where the, where the Strand is in case anybody's looking for a, <laughs> one of those wonderful gifts. Well, we're located at Broadway and 12th Street at 828 Broadway. We've been there for 56 years. Indeed. And uh, we've grown from just a little store in the front to where we occupy now four floors. And uh, as you always say, 18 miles of books, which actually is probably a bit more at this point, right? Well, we think so with the two warehouses. Oh, uh, right. But, might be interesting to know how we got the, the motto. Uh, George Will came into the store, and I knew him way, way back in those days. He used to come in and wander around. One day he said to me, is there an article in the store? Can I get a column out of the store? Oh. And he said... Uh, I said, sure, of course. (laughs) And somewhere in the interview, he said, how many feet of books do you have? And this goes way back because one of my kids working for me had just gotten a Texas instrument calculator. Uh So that's how far back it goes. (laughs) And I got him over there and I I said, hey, take the calculator around and count the number sections and Mm -hmm. the numbers, you know, an average number and see what we got. And he came out with something like 37,000 feet or books or something like that. It was seven and a half miles of books, and George Will said, eight sounds better. <laughs> well, and the number has and grown, right? I mean, I've seen different it. ones. Yeah. Uh, well, used now, to be... now, now it's 18. Right. For a while it was 13 or No, no. We, 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 we played with those numbers, but that didn't work. So you took over the business from your father, and I know your daughter, Nancy, is very much involved with the store. Will the Strand stay in the Bass family for more generations? Well, my daughter just had uh, five years ago had twins. And oh, has congratulations. A, and uh, just uh, ten days ago got a, another daughter. Wow. So uh, we do have three potential people there to, <laughs> to continue to another generation. And uh, all we have to do is keep that store successful and keep right. it going. And if they like it, they will. We have customers that keep continuously coming back. They're in there two, three times a week. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nice to have. You know, right. Yeah. There is an addictive quality, I mean, most definitely, sure, to shopping sure. for books. I sometimes think that I spend more time shopping for books than I actually do reading books. I presume that you are a reader, given how long you've been in this business and how much, as you say, you've loved it. What kind of books do you like to read? You know, I pick up something that just attracts me. You know, I, I will pick up a mystery or a spy novel. Mm-hmm. Then I'll pick up a history, and I'll pick up one of Bryson's books, uh-huh. like, you know... Uh, uh, Bill Bryson? Bill Bryson's mm-hmm. books that I think is delightful. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm reading a, a biography of Cleopatra, oh. which I find absolutely fascinating because there's so many things about her. She was one of the early wealthy modern women. Is it Stacy Schiff's biography? Yes. Of Cle- yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it's just things like that that uh, 
found out things about Egypt and that I didn't know and, and how well educated she was too. Is there any aspect of the book business that you wish was better understood? Is there a kind of a prevailing myth of the business that just drives you crazy that people don't understand? I think some people come in there with expectations that we know everything. We know a lot. Yes. And we have tools to find out a lot. But, you know, every now and then you get the customer in and he'll ask you for a book and you don't know what it is. And you say, what kind of a bookstore is this? And then we, we check it and we find out that they're not even giving us the right name. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> they told you that it had a red cover. That's right. That's what we do get. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. offering us books. That's it. They think just because a book is old, right. it's worth something. Right. You know? And they just don't understand that age is a factor, but it's not the important thing. Exactly. It's the book itself. I'm very happy with what I'm doing. I'm like in a treasure hunt anyhow. Every day I go to work and I never know what the next offer people are going to offer me. I work at the buying counter most uh, of the uh -huh, time, uh -huh. so that's the fun part of the place. The administration, I leave to the other people and let them worry about that, although I have to keep an eye on things. Sure, but, sure. Uh, uh, but that's where it is. And I, you know, when I go out and look at private collections, uh, I never know what I'm going to hit. So when you talk about private collections, you mean people who in their homes have been collecting books probably over a long period of time? That's right. I go in there and sometimes it's 1,000 books or 2,000. Sometimes it's six or 8,000 yeah. books. And, or they, they might have 500 very select books, which we will go after. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's just fun to come into people's houses and see what they've, they've done and what they've put together. It's been a fun business for me. I've been in it over 60 years, and uh, I'm 84 years old now, so I think I've got another year or two left. <laughs> you're like the but, queen. You're, you're working uh, long yeah. into your 80s. I, you know, I come in, I work from about 9.30 in the morning till 6, pretty much straight through. I have fun. I enjoy it. There have been bad years way back, and I remember those, so... Uh, I'm very happy with our success right now. That's, uh, yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for taking the time at this very busy time of year to, to come and talk to us. That was Fred Bass of the Strand Bookstore. Thank you so much for your time, Fred. Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Good. Yeah. If you have any comments about our discussion, send them to slateafterword at gmail.com. Our engineer was Chris Wade. The executive producer of Slate Podcasts is Andy Bowers. Thanks for listening to The Afterword. For Slate.com, I'm June Thomas. Wow.